Celebration what we in a right now We a tell you say me still want here with you Me no see no reason why it couldn't or it should work out We a tell you say me still want here with you Have nothing for lose if we take a cruise No excuse, no nah, look, no one for you We want here with you So hang up the phone now, girl and go home now And make them no sense and I tell him, he said that you would have been what hold me Me a listen to your story And fall in trance with the things where you show me You a tell me you're lonely And you have some way where I want me explore it Big surprise, you give me the vibes Just realize nobody don't hold it Come ride this pony No matter about nobody, you be control it Me a tell you surely Would I want you to have me holy and slowly So I make no goalie Try stop your ball when you're ready for scoring Me and you feed there Make a make that happen with you Can you know me? It no matter me no Yes, yes, yes. Back in effect, episode 46. This is the Black Russian Podcast. I am Tion Buku One. Namula. And it looks like someone got inspired to do a podcast. We just did one last week, but she's hot. Who's counting? You know, you gotta do things when you feel like you wanna do them. Yep, strike while the iron's hot. So we're gonna get straight into it. No, no, you're gonna do the disclosure oh, first. Okay, let Disclaimer. me do the disclaimers. We, Tian and Yula, the Black Russian Podcast, do not favor any style of relationship over the other. We are not necessarily pro-monogamy, pro-non-monogamy, polyamory, whatever, whatever, whatever. Those are all templates. What we advocate is any type of relationship that is loving, open, encourages freedom and growth and open dialogue and communication. What we are against is any mandated form of love structure, mandated monogamy, mandated non-monogamy, anything that holds you against your will and your desire to grow and change, we are opposed of. So let's keep that clear. This is not a podcast about polyamory and this and that. This is a podcast about the primary relationship, which is the one we have with self and every relationship stems from that. So if the roots are bad, the fruit's going to be bad, no matter what structure. Bada-bing. Ta-da! That was a kind of a wider take. Yeah. You know, the slowing down the quarantine gives you more time to expand and elaborate on things. Yep. Slowing down in quarantine gives you time to feel a lot of, uh, you know, what's been probably feeling. But we've been rushing through it. Partially, the reason why I asked Tion to do this episode is because, uh, you know, the being in quarantine and talking to uh, people about what's going on and who's feeling which way had me thinking uh, how uh, it's all pretty much what we, we feel, what we normally feel. It just as a collective, I think we're feeling a lot there's more space and time to feel, so people are kind of freaking out. Yeah, we're, I was talking to someone today about it. I was like, you know, if I, if I charted the last month of my emotional and energetic flow in this quarantine, it's mostly up, some mids, couple drops. And if I look at the span of a normal month, it's pretty much the same. Right. <laughs> couple mids, ups, couple drops. And what we realize is, we have an internal set of emotions that we feel and no matter what circumstance we're in 
we're probably going to feel those maybe to a greater or lesser degree depending on how busy we are, how much stress is being put on us, but overall they're very similar and this particular time is magnifying and intensifying a lot of feelings for people because a lot of us don't have our vices to stay busy and preoccupied. Yeah. So those voices in our head um, are louder and we have more time to sit with them, which is um, great for some, very uncomfortable for others. Um, but all in all, they're front and center more so than ever before. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, just feeling their feelings are kind of is kind of scary. And, uh, you know, like Tian is saying, when we can't distract ourselves, we're like, oh, what is this? You know, and uh, it kind of ties into what I want to talk about. Uh, why do you think we're so freaked out as a, as, a, as a mass right now? Like, what's happening? Well, what I'm noticing is, I mean, other than the obvious stress of this virus, what it's doing economically for many people, families, um, black and brown communities are definitely being overly affected just because the structure in general before this was not set up to support them as well. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all very real. Right. Yep. Like, let's not forget that those are very real and we acknowledge those. Um, but as far as just as human beings in general, we don't have access to our comfort zones and our vices, our habits, our routines, our regimens. Um, whether they're good or bad, we don't have access to those. And those are part of the things that keep us sane and it keeps us feeling that we're in control of our movements and our um, energetic and nutritional levels that we get each day. Yep. So, you know, what I think, I feel what's freaking people out. Uh, you know, when you look at it, we, we have, most of us have, uh, you know, the safety that we have had right? The access to water, food, uh, clean air, you know, we're relatively safe. So what's bothering us? I think that, you know, it feels like the, the unknown, like how long is this going to take? That's the big unsettling thing. You know, like we do not know uh, this is not uh, each one of us getting sick and feeling like, you know, it's a matter of a week and I'll be out, right? But it's like, who knows? It might last a month, another month. It might last another six months. And then what? So it feels like we have, we don't know how long it will last. We do not know how it will be resolved. That's another thing that's coming up. Like even if there is a decently clear time limit, how is it gonna? How are we all gonna come out of it? We don't know. You know, some like a lot of uh, people who have a difficult uh, financial situation, no idea how that's gonna play out, right? Uh, kids, how? What kind of effect is that gonna have on the kids? What's going to happen when we're finally allowed to function normally? Is this thing going to come back again as it is in China? You know, we're going to like come out and then go straight back into another quarantine. So a lot of, uh, a lot of the unknowns. And that is a huge trigger to how we feel. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the first few weeks of the quarantine, like we're in California, so we've been in it for about a month and a half almost. 
a month, I think, um, 30 something days. So we've, we've seen our first, you know, month cycle, so to speak. And, you know, the first couple, first week or so, it's almost like holding your breath. You're like, all right, well, just, right. you know, we'll just chill and kick it and enjoy the vacation. Um, and then what happens is after a certain amount of time, you start running out of your reserves, which is like kind of you're holding your breath cachet of like, okay, I don't need to really create anything new. I don't really need to create any new habits. I just need to wait this out. And then I'll be back to normal. I'll be back to bowling. I'll be back to this. And then after three weeks roll by, you're like, oh, like I might have to create new habits and new ways of generating nutrients because I may not have access to my normal uh, means for months. Right. And that's where it's like, oh, shit, I hadn't a lot of us hadn't prepared to alter the way we create nourishment and love and, and joy. Right. And, so so what's what's, you know, the lack of control is destabilizing. Right. And then all of a sudden we don't even know what to do with, with ourselves. Um, so why do you think why do you think control matters that much to us in general? No idea. I mean, I have plenty of ideas. Let's, let's hypothesize. <laughs> <laughs> well, control for most of us is our gravity. Yeah. It's our sense of security. If we can control the narrative, we can control our vehicle and we can control, you know, the story. We, we, it's predictable. And when it's predictable, we're pretty much, you know, we're calm because we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, when we don't know what's going to happen and we're not in control... Like you're saying, it destabilizes us um, when we start to grip to find for any way to control something, ourselves, a person, the thing, our vehicle, um, you know, state of being or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I've been thinking, I've been sitting on this whole ego control thing for a while now, because the more that I've gotten uh, personally on this journey of figuring out what it is that's, uh, you know, creating these uh, blocks for myself that have been uh, keeping me from, you know, operating in a free and open and uh, relaxed state where I really can come in and claim to be who I am and f- do what I feel like doing without, uh, without, um, being concerned about, you know, can I be open with it? Can I, you know, show myself what I want? Can I tell T on what I want? So this whole theme of ego and control has been really uh, front and center in my own life, especially in the last six months I've been working on it. And now being in this situation, uh, you know, it's kind of, interesting how it, the the work that I've been doing is coming to uh, an interesting point at this time where I'm getting my own clarity in it and it's easier for me to see where uh, we all run into these problems and they come from our need to control the outcome because you know we were raised like this I was raised like like that you know we learn that we have to control our own situation. We, they tell us parents in the school and everywhere we go tells us, hey, you have to learn these skills. You have to control basically your destiny, right? right. Your own life. Uh, you know, the U.S. is such an amazing country because, 
and every, you know most people in the world uh, would like to uh, live in the U.S. because literally you can come and create your own outcome. Right. Yeah, and I just had a friend. I was talking about a friend from France, and you know, from the inside of the United States, it's very easy for us to see all the corruption and insanity and craziness and social constructs and supremacy, all this crazy shit. But when you are from the outside and you don't, you don't live here, you weren't born here, they still are like, wow, you're so lucky to live there. Well, because you have the freedom of opportunity a, right. to go and, and do things. And, it, and it's really helpful for me to talk to people who aren't from here, Yeah. who are like, man, you know, you have so many different options there and opportunity to just do different things, you know? Yeah, the benefit, I mean, the opportunity is still here. The opportunity has always been here. You literally can create what you want. You know, we see day in and day out. Tech companies, you know, all of our progress, everything has been created by someone who had an idea and just went with it. Right. You know, so that's a beautiful uh, side of being in control and creating something you want to create. Right. But what we're not taught is how to let go of the need to control and how to not get lost without right. it. You know, what happens when you let go of uh, control? What happens when you don't know the outcome? Right. What, how, do you, how do you survive? Like what replaces that uh, certainty at the end of right. the process? You know, and I think that in... Uh, other societies uh, outside of the Western civilization, I, it's been spirituality. Right. But we got rid of it for the most part. So now when we don't know what's going to happen, we literally don't know what to do. Right. We just look to control and loop. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, we, that's a situation that we talk about a lot with... We know when the mind takes over and the mind is driving everything and intellect is supreme over everything, um, it's great as long as you have control. Yeah, and it goes, <laughs> you know, and I think that in our life, like it goes for everything. I, you know, as I was thinking about this topic, like monogamous marriage was created and still is a way to control. Originally, it was created by. Uh, men with means, with economic means, to control uh, who uh, who they're raising, like that, to control their women right. that they have children with to make sure that the children that the women have are their children. Right, the, le the legacy and the, the lineage. Right, to pass on econo economic wealth. So that was a tool created to control that outcome. Right. These children that I'm going to pass my legacy to are really my children because my wife is not allowed to be intimate with anybody else. And that is my tool that I created to make sure these kids are mine. Right. You know, uh, when that economic tool um, changed, it became more of a totally, I, I feel like, fear, ego-based driven tool yeah. I am concerned I'm scared of uh, my spouse leaving me for somebody else or liking somebody else 
more than me or even comparing me to somebody else. So I'm going to create this control situation where that's not even possible. Let's take that out right. off the table. And that's a controlled environment I'm comfortable in. You right. know, again, control, uh, you know, it's just easier. Yeah. On one hand. I mean, right? that's, you know, you know, that's part of the reason why a lot of people who have consciously made decisions in relationships will be clear most of most of us didn't have relationship structure options growing nope. up it wasn't like there's monogamy and then there's these other ways and they're all equal playing field there's pros and cons to all of them pick what suits for you normally it's like well we're just, you date right that's it you can date and that's your looseness but when you get serious right. you're in a monogamous relationship but part of the benefit of monogamy is structure, routine, a sense of protection from the unknown. And predictability. And predictability. Those are also the downfalls of it. And that's yeah. what a lot of them do. But the challenge is when you're not in a controlled environment where two people are regulated by the union, um, regardless of their desire to grow or change, is when you're in a alternative non-monogamous non-structured based relationship like that there's a lot of fear because there's a fear of the unknown you don't know what your partner's going to do with their freedom yep. you don't know how they're going to grow how they're going to change and how that's going to affect you and so in essence a lot of times although we all want freedom to choose to grow to change we fight for that we say we want freedom and we don't want to be controlled but we constantly look to find ways to control our environment and the people that are close to us in it. Like our wives, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our husbands, our kids. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, uh, the other side of control is really uncomfortable. Right. You know, and we experience it through not even, you know, us being non-monogamous, but the way that we raise our children is on one hand very inspiring to people that see our children and uh you know experience our like family dynamics watch our children grow but then as soon as we describe what it is that we do for our children that has allowed them to be the way they are most of the time i feel a mix of respect but the overwhelming feeling of discomfort right in discomfort in terms of well this is good you guys are doing that i couldn't do it right and it's not verbalized it's not doesn't put us down i never feel that that puts us down but right. i feel like it's this like tightening of Ooh, if I try this on, it does not feel good. Right. I just, it, what it feels like to me a lot of times is, is they could be like, no, I see how that works. That's great. But I can't give up that much control. Right. And what's the discomfort comes from, you know, and I, I happen to have a conversation about this with uh, Deja, our little, little one who is no, no longer that little. Uh, yesterday we were talking about how she is mostly very comfortable with current situation. Right. Everything about it is very familiar to her. 
because partially because she's always had a lot of freedom to make her choices right in what she wants to do how she wants to do it how much screen time she gets what she does with it you know with all three of our kids we'd never test like checked what is it that they're doing online they've always had unlimited access to it uh, and they have all learned to figure it out. Right. That alone, to most parents, is highly uncomfortable. Right. Highly uncomfortable. Yeah, we're, 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 we constantly find ourselves on the uh, opposite side of the argument of how much screen time we sh- how people much should allow their time kids to. Or do you track your children? Right. No, we don't track our children. Uh, you know... I've put the find my friends on, you know, I think the uh, diff- at different times on their phones when they travel somewhere. Right. But even, you know, even if I didn't uh, take it off when they come back, I never check it because I don't even think about it. Right. Uh, you know, they all know the rules. If you don't respond, when I, when we contact you, then there's going to be a problem. And otherwise, I, you know, you do what you do. And they've never had a problem with it. Um, but we come definitely run into a lot of discomfort with parents who, on one hand, see how that allows for more freedom and uh, time to figure things out for the kids. But on the other hand, is like so highly uncomfortable. Right. But then again, you know, most people in in marriages track each other on the phones as well. Right. So, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. Like, I couldn't handle you having, like, a thing on my phone. Right. I mean, I could if there was a reason for it. But if the only reason for it is for you to know where I am, that's right. not a good enough reason. Right. And if it's against your will... Or if it's just for me to feel secure. Right. Then I would ask, why do you want it? Yeah. A lot of times we we mask our desire to control other people um, with some nobility. Right. It's because I care about you. It's because I'm concerned about you. It's because I worry about you. Right. Um, Which all is partially true, but that comes after I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel in control. Yeah, no, I remember that one time recently I asked Aaron how he would feel if I put the thing on his right. phone and he looked at me like, uh, I would not want you to do that, mom. Right. You know, I will do better at keeping my phone charged, looking at my phone, but nope, absolutely not. Don't want it. Right. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, but please do better with keeping your phone charged right. and, well, you know, and, yeah. and knowing where you have it, but... Uh, he was very strong, you know. I uh, we're planning on having our kids on one of the next podcasts, yeah. and uh, you know, it. I think that it's fascinating to hear directly from them uh, their reasons for, you know, feeling comfortable with us and not wanting to be tracked. How they interact with their friends, uh, you know, do they ever? feel like they want to have more control over what their what their friends do versus how you know what they have now and i can imagine 
that uh, Aaron would never want to have control over knowing what his close friends or, you know, like girls that he's close to are doing because that just adds a whole bunch of responsibility that he doesn't want to have. Right. And the cool thing about, you know, Aaron is really cool as an example is that um, we all, no matter who we are, we all want some sense of control for, of our environment. Aaron, his main area that he needs to control to feel secure is his internal environment. So he doesn't have this need to control other people to feel secure. Yeah. So trying to control somebody else or track them would be a burden to him. Right. Where a lot of us feel like we need to have control and understanding of what somebody else is doing and where and how we how they feel about us to feel secure. Yeah. He's the opposite. He's like, I don't that just sounds like a headache. A big burden and a headache. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a lot of that is what you and I have gone through over the last twelve months and are still going through is understanding that the less that we even opine on other people's situations, right. the less mental emotional energy that takes from us not yeah. to say that we don't care so we're never gonna opine but you know in a lot of situations it's just not necessary we do it out of habit we do it out of d desire to be heard for what reason ego like it all right. goes back to wanting some sort of a control but that never comes uh you know with no price right. like and that's where i think uh, you know i'm going with this whole thing is uh, in my own world and uh, the worlds of people that I'm close to that, you know, we uh, that who, who talk to me about difficult situations in their lives, a lot of the difficulties that we experience directly connect to how much control we want to have over specific areas in our life or specific situations. Uh, and that is something that is very difficult to see sometimes because we're so used to needing to have that control and you know it's looked at as something that you know of course a grown person will have control of their life right and uh yeah to some of course to some extent yeah we gotta know how we make a living you know we have to have control over paying our bills and you know raising our children to an extent but once it completely takes over and there is no um no counterbalance in right. terms of spirituality in terms of what is the tool that we use when we let go of control right or just room for life variables yeah. like we were talking about um you know, getting into the groove of this quarantine stuff. And, you know, in the very beginning, we both seek uh, structure. We want structure. We want routine. We want to be able to control our environment and be mindful of what we're doing, what we're intaking and how and when to make sure that we maintain a certain level. Um, but then after that, we have to give ourselves permission to understand that we won't be able to control everything and it may not be to our benefit and we may we have to create time to just be and to give room for things to come to us in the form of inspiration in the form of change of plans due to how we're feeling right. in the in the form of new regulations in the form of well and also you know, you know like when uh, i i think learning that the outcome that we 
create may not be the only outcome that is good for us right. is a is a big deal it's like trusting the kids or trusting people you're close to to maybe know better than right. you do you know maybe find their own way that's cooler or at least as good as yours and allow for that opportunity to even exist yeah we need to create room um, the balance between controlling our environment that we need to control internally and having room for other variables, people, places, things, insights, uh, epiphanies, uh, just change of plans. Like, for example, you know, if we tried to plan today how we wanted our lives five years from now to the specific day of each week, um, we would not give ourselves room for life to happen. There's so many other things to come into play. Like, we're very different five years from now from what we expect to be today. The same way we're very different now than we were five years ago. Yep. Like there are things we thought were going to happen and things that we thought we we're going to focus on. Um, and then other elements came into play, other inspirations, other things we've learned. And all of a sudden we pivoted to the left a little bit, pivoted to the right a little bit, sped up a little bit here, slowed down a little bit here. Um, but if we were rigid to a plan that we set five years ago, we would be gripping to hold on to that yeah. plan and just fighting anything that does not fit the narrative that we have set. Right. That's why, you know, like uh, allowing kids to find themselves right. is such a rich experience because they will change how they are supposed to change if you let them and they will grow into who they're supposed to grow into. Uh, much wider than we would imagine they would. Right. Uh, you know, like, even with who I would imagine our kids would be or what they would be into is right. so completely different from what they're showing us they are and what they're interested in. There's no way that I can predict that they're going to be into biology or birding yeah. or, or making claymation or freaking drumming or like k-pop or any yeah, of that they never predicted that all of those things are so foreign to both of us yeah. it's just like you know pretty much skateboarding is the only thing that right. you and were hoping and even yeah right. and even then there was a period of time where i'm like yeah i don't think he's that into it. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna let off of aaron right. i'm not gonna push him so hard because i don't know if he's that into it and he went away from it for a few years and he found his way back to it on his own accord and in a different, and in, in a, a very, very different, different way. way. Right. <laughs> People watch Aaron skate, and I like, yeah, that's my son. And they're like, wow. And it's like, other than the fact that we both love skateboarding, uh, the styles of the terrain, how we ride the terrain, is so far right. <laughs> different. Like I watch him, I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, I might help with the foundation, but like, <laughs> I can't do half the things. It would have never even crossed my mind to try to do half the things he does. Right. Um, but it just goes to show you with kids, like you just. If we give them room, they change and evolve and expand and contract in ways that we would have never imagined. Um, and, you know, any one of the three kids we have, if we're at the age 10 and we looked at them like, okay, they're going to be into this based upon what we know about them, we would have all been terribly wrong right. <laughs> about all of them. Yep. In the specifics. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you famously always told me that, you know, uh, like Tion refers to me as a rabbit and he's like, yeah, you can 
go run around wherever you want to go run around i i know when you're gonna where you're gonna come back to right you know uh it's giving that freedom and trusting that the person that uh is either your child or your partner or your friend you know is going to do exactly what they're supposed to do and it's going to work out exactly how it's supposed to work right. out is the most liberating light uh freeing thing in the world and yeah. it's the most difficult thing to do right you get all the freeing and the liberation and stuff after you get the most excruciating <laughs> terrifying uh ego confusing feelings because like the saying that that i that came to me from somewhere that i i go to when i'm i just can't handle i can't grasp anything in particular is if i do what i'm supposed to do and they do what they're supposed to do we'll be where we're supposed to be yeah. and if i'm if i'm at peace with that then everything else will work itself out but at first that is very destabilizing because your mind can't wrap its head around that there's no specifics about that there's no tangible concrete specific acts or agreements or promises that are made in that Right, and that's, you know, coming back to the way that we are all raised. We're all raised in a very mind-heavy way. Right. You know, like I was raised in a 100% mind-heavy way. Right. That was the only thing I knew. And my first introduction to the non-mind world was through my first husband, uh, who always told me, listen, the kids are not ours to control they come out as pretty much fully baked human beings we don't own them we don't control them they are here to do what they're supposed to do we're here to help them get there that's it right. you know and uh i count my blessings for gravitating to that energy and for john like being so uh centered in that belief right that it became my belief because it made total sense to me so much so that now i go like doing anything outside of that is just so difficult yeah would be such a huge burden taking on responsibility of fully shaping another human being and maybe two of them or three of them is a freaking insanely heavy load. Yeah. And, you know, the heaviest part of the load is when we try to control anything that we can't control. That means no matter how hard we try to control it, we can't control it. That's got to be the most taxing. Oh, yeah. Uh, ego crushing, self-esteem, just diminishing thing because we're not powerful enough to do that nope. and so we can grip for as long as we can we can worry every day every night every and we still won't be able to be blessed with the ability to control this environment in a way that would be healthy for anybody without distorting or warping yeah because there the is process. no blessing in the control right like what's the blessing right uh you know i think the blessing is in helping the right. blessing is in allowing a uh like helping uh lending your skills to something that is already there 
it's like gardening, right? Like it's adding uh, what you can to a growing plant without trying to change it into a different plant. Right. It's already what it is. We're just trying to nourish it and, you know, learn new skills to help it. Uh, that's about it. Right. Uh, but otherwise, it's just crazy difficult and would take so much energy uh, that I, I don't know, it hurts my head right away. You know, yeah. like one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to do this podcast, I was talking to. Uh, you know, a friend who's going through a situation where ego definitely came right in the way of what, uh, you know, what, what, what should be happening. And I was telling him how when I come into a situation where I'm trying to control the outcome, I've gotten to the point where my body actually proactively tells me that I'm trying to control an outcome. My head starts to hurt. Uh, I learned it in a very difficult way, you know, by going through a lot of headaches during the time where I was trying to control situations that shouldn't have been controlled. And over the last few years, I've learned when I have this headache, I have to stop and really just figure out what is it that I'm trying to control. Right. And as soon as I find it and find a way to literally let it go, the headache goes away. And it's not magic, but it literally is a mechanism that I think most of us have. We're just not listening to our bodies enough. Like my headaches became uh, debilitating. Right. Where I literally could not do anything else, but like I would let the headache grow to the point where I literally had to shut down. I couldn't speak. I couldn't do much. And eventually I realized that that's because I'm putting so much energy in trying to control a situation that my body is like, hey, you have to stop. That's it. Like you are going to hurt yourself uh, to the point where it's not going to be good. So just shut up and let go. Right. And it's an amazing tool. So I was sharing that. And as we were working through whatever situation they're going through, it's like, oh, wow. Like, as soon as you let go, you feel light. Right. Uh, so I think we all, you know, like I've, I, I was raised in a mind-heavy environment. Yeah, yeah me too. And, and you know, me, uh, I'm just, my nature of Virgo, myself, is this desire to control environment plan ahead routine structure earth sign gravity so like for example i would say like my motto is i'm down to be spontaneous just let me know in advance so i can prepare for it right. <laughs> <laughs> you know like that's where i'm from like i if i like my my core mental nature if i if, if i let him do what he wanted to do he'd plan out each day for the next three years so i could relax because i know what's going to happen like that's literally my nature. <laughs> and of course um, you're married to a rabbit that yeah, does not believe it. It just reminds me of yeah. that it's not going to be that way <laughs> every day. So I had to learn to um, let go and leave room um, for the unknown to happen. And it's hard. It's a, it's a, it's a everyday what thing. It's like you, a breath. Like mine, you know, I went through these headaches. What did you go through? I just went through frustration and trying to control things that didn't want to agree with my logic. 
whether it was a girlfriend, like, why do you want to do that? That doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't do that. that like, you know, or any of that, or just, you know, like really, what really kicked in also was on tour. I was like, you know, I can't control the environment. I have four or five dudes in the car with all different personalities and we're vices. going vices and we're going to different cities with different sets of equations every day. And I can't control all of this, any of this all the time. I can just control what I control. Make sure we're safe when we're driving. Make sure I have this and that right. and the third. And the rest is going to be what it's going to be. Um, and so I just had to start learning that. And the crazy thing is, is my mind would be terrified about not trying to gain control by overly planning. Um, and I had to find a way to give myself permission to not try to control everything. And once I gave myself permission, um, I relaxed and felt good, but it took a while because I still feel guilty. Like I felt like if I wasn't overly preparing, I wasn't preparing and I was being negligent. And I still feel that way at times. Well, you know, I mean, there are always like, there are specific situations in our lives where we are trained to do that, like te yeah. like schooling is yeah. all about that. You have to come to school fully prepared, right? right. You have to prepare for your tests. Uh, you have to do your homework. You have to prepare to be called upon. Same with work, right? If you don't, that's when you we all feel like we're negligent. Uh, you know, we're not doing our best. If we're not doing our best, then someone's going to catch us in it. Right. Something bad's going to happen. So there's really, like, that's what we're trained right. for. The quest for perfection, the quest for robotic perfection. And anything that's shown as weakness or flaw. Right, because yeah. the measurement of success is on by in, in how well you perform on something that you have to prepare for. Right. Yeah, and... Yeah, so, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing. Like, I've been consciously working at it, you know. I think the very first time I really realized I need to work at it was when I fell in love with my first Gemini, Samuela. Oh, damn Gemini. Oh, man. And she helped me understand that my way of thinking is not everybody's way of thinking. Um, but and it was the hardest thing for me. I mean, it, it was debilitating for a while yeah. to... But that was the first chip at this rigid stone that was tea on. Well, so, you know, I've, I'm, I've learned through literally examining what my ego does and why that um, ego is here to protect us from dangers. Right. So, right. you know, if you calculate all the outcomes and you're like, I call tea on an insurance assessor. Because he literally yes, can... I'm a risk assessor. Risk assa I mean, risk <laughs> assessor, he should be like an insurance underwriter uh, where he can calculate where the risks are in like crossing the street or, you know, just like random, like constant, uh, you know, risk assessing. Then, of course, technically you're the most prepared and you can foresee what the dangers are. Right. But how do you calculate? But even then, you just right. don't know. You just can't quantify it because there's more things at play than what we can see or calculate. Um, but let's, let's take a break now and then we'll go into what the ego's role is and then we'll right. go from there, okay? Yeah. Black Russian Podcast, episode 46. Sure.
results are grow and the bliss just a show and a humble me more and more The more that I learn show the little that I know and it humble me more and more The truth set me free and encourages me as it humble me more and more More and more There is so much to fear they say So many unknown The face of the earth in a selfish game of thrones Some have learnt of the mysteries And are forcing the world to comply But give thanks, the source of the sacred is encoded in I and I When I tune into the frequency None of the stains of adversity Yes, yes we are back again, live and direct, episode 46, the Black Russian Podcast, live from our kitchen. All right. Uh, back to the ego. Yes. The purpose. Uh, in my travelings through my own, uh, you know, uh, efforts to figure out what it is that, uh, why am I so attached to my ego? What, why is it? so strong why am i letting it uh her i refer to my ego as her her uh why do i allow her to make a lot of decisions for me uh i figured that uh her only purpose is to protect me from whatever it is that she considers to be a danger right uh how do we know that one of the thing one of the tests is uh, what happens when the ego is triggered? How fast do we jump into action? Uh, pretty instantly. You know, when else do we jump into action? When we're in danger. You know, when something is, uh, you know, someone throws a rock at you. When you're, you know, about to be hit by a car. Like, you wake up. All of your faculties are working. Adrenaline is up. That pretty much is the same feeling as uh, we feel when the ego is triggered. Right. The ego protects us from dangers, which is great. You know, there's a lot of use in it. So we're not talking about throwing your ego away uh, by all means. But what we're talking about is switching from the world where we are pretty much fully controlled by what the ego decides we need to do to keep ourselves safe to allowing for a, a possibility that the ego is not the only controlling factor that actually, you know, we would like to make decisions for ourselves. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, thanks for your opinion and your insight, but let me take it into consideration and make my own decision. Right. And like, you know, I like to use the analogy of the, of the Golden State Warriors. Like the ego, let's just say, for example, the ego is Draymond Green. It's a protector. It's a defender. It's to keep the fortress safe. Um, Draymond should not be making all these decisions all the time on what plays to be called and how to respond to somebody hard fouling Steph Curry right. or whoever. Um, we need the Draymond Green. We need our ego to protect us and guide us when it's time. But we also have the benefit of the coach, Steve Kerr, the general manager, the owner, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. We have a whole committee that all has a very valuable say in the order of file and rank. Um, and so on this analogy, I like to use my intuition, my wise counsel as Steve Kerr and the general manager. 
That's the wise counsel that dictates what plays we should call, when we should be loose, when we should tighten up, when we should slow down. And then Draymond and the rest of the players are the deacon to that to the wise counsel that we execute. So a lot of us act as if the ego is the forefront, is the leader. And then the intuition is this back thing that we can use every now and then. But I try to go reverse that. The intuition and that gut feeling should guide me when I'm presented with a sense, a set of a set of circumstance, and then the ego helps me think about the possibilities and protects, but executes what the intuition ultimately says that we want to do. Like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And the ego could be like, okay, yeah, it might not feel good, but what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And the intuition is like, yeah, it still doesn't feel good. Or this feels good. And the ego's like, I don't know about that. I'll trust that. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about this. And the intuition's like, let's Right, but the way. problem is that, you know, like the ego is so loud and so quick to jump into mm -hmm. action that uh, for me personally, a lot of the times, there is no place for anything else. Right. By the time that I felt that trigger and like, you know, my head get hot feel hot or whatever it is like we all experience these things in different parts of our body right you know uh my cheeks get hot uh you know i i feel like my heart starts pounding i have and by then i'm already in motion i'm responding to whatever it is the ego showed me you know the danger is right uh and then i don't hear anything else right so you know uh Figuring out what are, you know, and, and by, you know, by the time you act on it, half the time you made a fool out of yourself. Right. You created a uh, situation where you're in, the, now you're in a fight with someone that you shouldn't be in a fight with. And then you have to calm down, walk away, feel like, oh, I jumped the gun. Right. I acted out of my own insecurity or my own fears that are not even connected to this situation. Uh, and then you have to apologize. You have to walk it back. You have to, you know, if it's, you know, Tion and I would take three or four days to work through that and like get back to, right. to uh, you know, where we can actually revisit what we were even talking about because, right. uh, and it's just a waste of energy. But it's it's hard, you know. I've I've finally realized that understanding what the actual real dangers to me are and why they're dangerous is uh, one of the keys to understand my reactions when the ego is triggered. Right. You know, uh, like uh, the kids not doing what I you know, thought they should be doing can trigger my ego, but is it really a danger? Just right. because Aaron doesn't want to do math, but he wants to do art, you know, where's the danger? Right. Or, but, or circumstances where like, we ask them to do this now. Right. And they chose to not do this now, and they want to do it later. I mean, it was a, like, I think one of our coolest processes were with our first one who was extremely hard-headed and uh, I had to learn that hey you know me making her stick to the chores that I grew up with 
is just stupid. Like, what am I, who am I doing this for? Like, who is it benefiting? It's not benefiting her. It's not really benefiting me because we're creating a war zone. So who is it benefiting? Right. You know, and then you had to work through your ego because your approach was completely different from mine. Right. And you had to literally, it was the first time when you were like, okay, I don't agree with you. But I'm gonna just, you know, right. see how you right how you work the situation and hope that you know what you're doing. Right. I don't think you know what you're doing, but let's see. You know, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, you know, it it actually worked out, but both of our egos got tested big time. You know, so but you have to really like walk through the process and go okay, well, I feel triggered, right? I feel upset. I feel like I have to put my foot down and work the situation the way I would work it, but why? Right. And then, you know, I started asking a lot of why questions. Like, why do you want that outcome? Why does it make you feel... What do, what do you feel if it is not going your way? Right. And What's right. your fear? Like, what are you really concerned with? Why? Right. And then what? And right. what if that happens? Then what? Are you going to die? What's going to happen? You know? like, And if the answer is, yeah, I'm going to die, then it's a real danger. Right. You know? But if... It, usually it comes from some sort of a insecurity, some sort of a... Yeah. Well, the death is the the death of control, the death of control of the situation, the death of the death of our power. Like if if we if we set something for our kids to do, and they don't do it, then the threat that our ego faces a lot of times is the threat to our power. The threat to like in my my situation is like um, a lot of the times I insist on doing things the way that I do them because I have always done them this way. And if uh, they're not done my way, that means that there's a possibility that there's another way that may be better than mine. And lo, my goodness, how is that even possible? You that's, know? that's the loss of power. Yeah. So either the loss of power or what I was doing my whole life Maybe it wasn't even necessary, so maybe I wasted some, you know, hundreds of hours of my life doing it the way that, you know, I was made to do. So, uh, you know, like asking a lot of why questions and uh, where is this uh, need to control come from is really something that uh, I've learned leads to a lot of uh, realizations that maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'm doing this to, uh, because I don't want to face something painful in my life. Right. Like, Mainly, a lot of times the, the painful thing, although we create different images and different scenarios, the root is, the root is usually the destabilization due to loss of control or what you thought to believe that as reality as the way is maybe one of the ways or not the only way or not the way at all, you know, and that makes us feel like we've lost 
control and understanding of what's supposed to be happening. Our sense of order. Yeah. Uh, sense of order or, you know, in a situation like a lot of the times we, you know, like with a couple of friends that I have talked to about, you know, something difficult in their lives, specific situations. It's the, um, I feel it's like the need to control comes from really not wanting to look at underlying feelings of either being disrespected, uh, not uh, being listened to, not being valued. You know, if you, if you come from a situation where you feel like, I, you know, I was disrespected by this person. Right. So the only way I can gain respect for myself is if I insist on things being done my way. Right. And then I feel like I'm being respected again. Right. So then you're like, well, do you need other people like to confirm that you respect yourself? What happens if they never come back to it? What happens if you're trying to control the situation is a never going to produce the respect you want from these people, but also in the meantime, ruin what you already have, you know, because you're trying to force something. So, you know, um, the, I think that we're used to feeling like being in control means that we're powerful, yeah. that we're respected we're powerful, the things that we're doing are the right things to do. You know, uh, I know that my mom, like I've learned this, I guess some years after having kids, that a lot of the things that my mom uh, takes, you know, really like triggered ego, uh, control, uh, like wanting to like, uh, wanting to control situations come from her always doing it that way. Right. And if she sees me doing things in a different way and producing positive results, that means that what she did her whole life was a waste. Right. Or wasn't necessary. So it's undermining yeah. her, you know, her life. Right. And that's a, that's a very scary right. place to be in. You know, unless, again, you can learn to let go and be like, oh, you know, I, through circumstance, spent my life doing this, but now, you know, I'm seeing my children not doing it. So right. this is good. That's positive. Right. But if you look at it from the ego standpoint, it's always negative. Right. Because you are seeing that you were wrong. Right. Or at least perceiving it. And you're like, for me... How that plays out is like, you know, in these certain relationship circumstances where um, I'm seeing somebody and they're they're summoning my experience and saying, you know, I need help understanding this and getting through this and this. And so like I go, ooh, so I step in and start basically setting up their structure based upon my structure. Right. Like, oh, you want a successful functioning relationship or da 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 da. -da. Here, let me give you my template. And then after a while, they stop using the template and modifying it or, or adding on their own stuff, which is their own unique touch. And then I'm offended. Yeah. And then I try to fight them on why they shouldn't add their own things and why they should just do the system that I've set up. 
And then a lot of times that ends up being this indirect battle that sometimes has ended our relationships. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the end, I perceived it, my nobility perceived it as they went rogue or, or they just, whatever the case it was. But the reality was my ego was so hurt because I was trying to force them to do it specifically how I wanted it to be done based upon how I've done it. Right. And they did not want to do it to the T. They wanted to do it their own way. And I didn't feel stabilized and validated. Right. Because if people, if you're able to duplicate what you've been doing, that right. means that your system is successful. Right. That confirms that what you're doing is right. Right. And the um, ego is like, this way is the right way. Right. There is no other way. Right. The spirit's like... You have no idea exactly. what a person's path is. And for right. you may have been there just to contribute, to help contribute to their foundation, not yeah. build their foundation. The rest of the foundation that they need to build is going to be gathered from within themselves, other people, other places, failures. They may have to half-ass build a foundation, fall through it, and rebuild it up to fortify it. And you may not even see it. You may not be around that long. Yeah. So you, there's no way you can truly understand what they're supposed to be doing and that's where the ego gets frustrated like that doesn't make any sense to me i know how to do it i've done it this works you know right and uh, you know i think damn it damn it well hey <laughs> i've had lots of bruised ego lots Good. of bruised ego experiences Good. you know the spirit just sits back and chuckles like you had yeah. enough of that you yeah. good yeah you you want to listen to me a little bit no no all right good yeah. run back into that wall yeah do it again. No, so. please do it again. And you know, and that's when, like, we. I, I believe that there is a way to physically gauge that we are being run by our ego versus by Ooh. our spirit. Give us the cheat code. How do we know? Well, so you know, from learning on my own you know, that I personally get a freaking headache, you know? And it comes from, you know, they call them tension headaches. Right. Tension headaches. Ooh. What exactly is a tension headache? How does that manifest? Like, what does that feel? Right. I think, you know, like, we all know <clears throat> tension headaches. A lot of people <clears throat> get tension headaches. And um, without trying like without thinking okay well tension headache where is the tension coming from you know then you're just like treating a symptom just right. like we all like to do we'd like to treat a symptom and not figure out where it's coming from you know my tension headaches got to be so debilitating that <clears throat> i had to learn where they're coming from why and how what do i do with them because i don't like taking pills and I like understanding what's going on in my body. So I really feel like, uh, at least on uh, like my, um, from my experience, when I am uh, uptight about something, that means that I don't feel that I'm in control and I want to gain control. I'm going to start uh, tensing up because just like, you know, um, getting ready for a test or getting ready for, you know, a competition, uh, you got to be on guard 
and you gotta monitor the situation. Uh, a lot of the times it's like multiple people involved, multiple situations, you have to be in control of everything, uh, and you are guiding it or manipulating it to uh, get to an outcome that you want. Like right, that's yeah. me to a T. And these situations literally got me to uh, these headaches right. that would gradually, you know, uh, build up over like one, two, three days. Day three typically is when I have to turn everything off, stop talking, lay down and just be. Right. You know, and after like a year or two years of doing that, uh, as Tiona and I were learning to navigate the new phase of our relationship where everything came in the open, you know, like ego was tested to the max in these situations because when he's describing or sharing, uh, you know, his relationships with other people, where do you think my ego is? My right. ego is like, what the hell? You know, oh, you're not so special anymore. Oh, there are other people that he does these things with. And uh, ego is like triggered to the max at all times. And learning how to relax is not an overnight process. Right. Learning how to marry the ego with the logic and the spirit and desire to uh, get to the place where they're all speaking and uh, acting together is a long-term process. Right. So my ego went through years of testing, 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 being tested, being tested, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And I think that, that those constant fights created these tension fighting headaches and the only way that I could uh, get rid of them was literally to, uh, find a way to and usually I would do it at like three in the morning because that's when everything's quiet and everything comes into my mind so it starts out with this ego fight and the fears and and the tension and then gradually I started finding my way like, I feel it like I go under all this noise and ego, and I find this peace in just letting go, just right. being like, just enjoy the process. You right. know, the people around you are good people. No one's wishing any specific harm on you on purpose. Just enjoy it. Just let go of control and enjoy it. And the moment that I would find a way to get there, the headache would subside and then I'd fall asleep and wake up and be happy. Right. But then go straight back, like gradually, you yeah. know, the mind pulls you back. It's like this muscle that you have to uh, retrain. Yeah. I mean, it's like my hamstrings. <laughs> yeah. It's like my hamstrings are so tight. They're so tight that, you know, I can work on them a couple days a week and it will slowly loosen. But if I don't work yeah. on them for two or three more days, they're back to tight. And so it becomes this thing I'm learning with that, which is metaphor for the same thing, is that um, I will always, I should always stretch and work out stretching my hamstrings the same way. We'll always have to work out 
stretching the relationship between the ego and the spirit where the ego has to learn to calm and actually listen because naturally it's going to snap back to its normal function, you know? I think that, you know, um, the ego will always pop up and get triggered and get into a fighting position. And what we're learning to do is recognize that, oh, okay, cool, that's just ego doing what the ego is supposed to right. do. Let's not all, the whole being, let's not react to this. Right. Uh, and then let's go, okay, is this a real threat? Right. Why do I feel this way? Oh, it's just this old thing that I'm reacting to, no longer a danger. Okay, right. I can now relax and do whatever it is that I normally do, you know, like walk away, go on a walk, go do something, hang out, right. whatever, you know, uh, to walk, literally walk it out. Right. Or yeah. if it's a real danger, it's a real danger. Right. And, you know, one of the tools that I've learned to use um, is when my ego is triggered and gets hot and fiery or whatever the case, instead of bringing it to the world in the form of a reaction, I bring it to the council inside right. my head. So like imagine if, if Draymond, the hothead on the team, gets super triggered. Instead of going and reacting by, you know, getting a technical foul or, or yelling at the refs better. or getting ejected, you know, coach calls a timeout. He comes in the huddle with the team and the coaches and goes, motherfuck this feel foul, feel foul, and just goes off there. And then the team goes, okay, I hear that. You know, that's, that's, an, that's a possibility. But what do you think, Steph Curry? What do you think, Clay? And then Draymond, as representing the ego, has to buy into what the team agrees to do. Well, but right. it gets to be heard and validated, not just right. silenced. And then in practical terms, how do you get Draymond, when he's cussing everybody out and slinging on the court, to literally make those 20 steps to shut up and like tw walk 20 steps to the hut yeah. like that's the hardest right. ever that's the part if you get that part down you're pretty much good right but the that like the training of shut up and walk away right breathe breathe go talk to your counsel or like that is so hard right that is... As we see, Draymond gets many technicals every year because, <laughs> you know, the ref calls a foul or does something and Draymond can't wait till timeout to just go talk about it and complain Sometimes to the coach. Sometimes he can, but a lot of the you times... Know, a lot of times he's like... right there in the, in the ref's face. Like, yeah. You know, doesn't even have time to turn his back to walk away. He's just, you know. Yeah, so, you know, like, and it, my headaches are like my, my signal, right? right? But there's lots of other ways that... If we were to listen uh, to the symptoms, they're there, right. right? If it's a relationship situation where things are at a standstill because one person's trying to control something on the other side, you know, there's a lot of issues that would seemingly not be related to it. Right. There'd be, you know, I am not very sexually attracted to this person right now. I don't right. want to have sex. Right. You know, I think that's one of the most common ones in uh, in uh, couples situations because that one is very, it's so common 
that it's really easy to just write it off to I'm busy, right. I'm tired, I am uh, just, you know, it's a habit, like I, whatever, we do it every, whatever, you right, know, this right. person's here all the time. The truth is that if, uh, if you're trying to control a situation and you're in this constant state of uh, fighting your partner right. in some part of your life, it will most likely result in... Uh, it's going to come out in other parts of your life. Right. And like you and I know how sensitive sexual energy is. Right. And how quick it is to dissipate or to just like go down if things are not, you know, not right otherwise. Right. And that's, you know, I think that in, in, uh, that's, that, that would be one of the, uh, one of the symptoms of I'm trying to control something that I shouldn't control. And I'm fighting my partner. I'm anticipating them fighting me. Uh, therefore, I can't fully enjoy being present. Right. Because I'm stuck in the head. Yeah, I'm yeah. stuck in the head. I'm it's like playing chess. Yeah. Uh, you know, playing chess or feeling like you have to prove something in, in, in a particular situation. Right. Uh, you know, that's going to come out in, you know, uh, feeling extra stressed in feeling not very connected because you can't be connected to a partner when you're fighting them even if it's just in one small obscure right obscure area yeah i know another way to control in that situation is um i'm not happy with the way things are going in this part of our relationship and for some reason i can't i don't want to i don't know i can't vocalize it the way i want to so it's leaking out right. in sexual place i'm gonna withhold the sexual energy I know this person wants and likes because this is my way of protest without consciously even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, or sometimes just consciously thinking about it like, yeah, no, you don't basically saying you don't deserve this. Yeah. I know you want this, I'm not giving it to you because I'm not happy with this, yeah. that and the third, you know. I think it's I think it's super dangerous to act on your ego without understanding that you're acting on it and without knowing what it's causing in your whole a uh, wider right. you know relationship and wider life yeah uh it's basically like the way that i experienced it experienced it is like closing a faucet right you know it's it's you're slowing down the flow like you're trying to reroute it right. you know like we protest uh building dams because it's rerouting natural energy same thing with you know like trying to control situations is very similar to trying to reroute natural energy right it's impossible to do usually you know it's maybe possible to do for a certain time but just like controlling kids is only possible until they get out of the house right if even wait till then they're going to fight you the whole entire way and then things are going to come out sideways and or or explode or they're like totally going to not 
uh, do what you want them to do and give you a fat finger and just leave. Right. Um, yeah, and the, you know, and the thing about the ego and trying to understand why it's doing what it's doing and what's the root of it is finding the time and also the understanding that the ego doesn't always want to be uh, outed as to why it's doing what it's doing. No. It doesn't always want to say, well, the reason why I'm doing this is because I feel that I've been you know, undermined yeah. over here, so I want to overcompensate over here. Um, and so the hard part and the challenge is sitting still long enough to ask those questions to the ego and get the truth as to, but why? Right. Well, because I feel this, well, yeah, but why? And the root of where it is, you know? Or also, you know, like having uh, people around you that will, instead of supporting your ego, will help you pause and ask those questions right. as to why. Right. You know, like you and I have gone through a lot of, we finally came to an understanding not that long ago that both of our egos can be triggered at exactly the same time for exactly the same reason and then we create an echo chamber for right. each other right. and we basically like my ego will start supporting yours and then it just makes it so much more powerful and it creates an unhealthy echo chamber so in those situations it's uh super helpful when if your if your ego is triggered and you want to talk to me about it, right. I have to consciously not add the oil, right. like my the oil, to, to your fire. right yeah. to your fire because then it's validating my ego. Great, but now we're like exponentially uh, triggered right. and it's not helping anyone. You know, like a responsible thing to do, and we've finally are learning how to do that is when you're triggered. And your ego is speaking. Usually, you will tell me that that's your ego is speaking. Right. Sometimes not, but when I understand that, I like just listen. Right. And either maybe suggest another point of view, or just not say anything. Right. And because it needs time and space to air it out and be heard and all that stuff, which is great. But then you know by itself it's gonna walk away and come down with the energy with added energy and i think that that's what happens a lot right. our friends like to validate us right. and show our friendship by supporting the voice of oh i'm upset because this happened oh my god really how could he right oh my and and just adds to it right you know um Instead of showing the heart, like doing the hard thing and going, hey, I hear you. I understand this is hard, but let's think, uh, like, why are you doing this? Right. Like, what's, who's benefiting here? Right. Like, what's, what's your, your purpose? Right. right. What's your goal? What's your end goal? Why do you feel this way? Right. Where is it coming from? You know? Uh, what are you achieving? Does it, is it helping your relationship with your spouse? Right. Or with this person on the other side? Or are you just... You, you, great, now you're right, but you don't have a relationship. Right. Now you don't feel like being around this person. Like, is that what you want? If that's how you want, if that's what you really want, then you just need to just walk decide, away. Just say it. 
right. just say it and walk away. But don't just sit there feeling right and not having a good relationship. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, like, uh, sometimes I find myself be the only person that would do it. Right. Uh, and I used to not be able to do that because it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Because then I put myself in a situation where I will potentially be uh, and on the other side, you know, and be become the uh, someone that gets rejected. Right. For pointing that out, um, you know, and I have to feel both uh, that I'm not acting out of my ego, that I'm not right. just saying that to prove my own point, but right. that I'm acting out of love and compassion and really wanting to help. And, you know, if it helps, great. If it doesn't help this time, right. it's not a strike against that person, but it's like, okay, well, I did my best and... They did their best and it didn't work out, yeah. you know. Uh, so having people around us that will have the presence of mind to both understand us and feel empathetic, but also the empathy includes showing us that maybe what we're listening to is just the ego voice. Right. Uh, is super important. Right. And it's even inquiring about the root. Of right. the issue, um, and having that conversation is something that rarely happens, and it's so valuable um, because it just gives a person a chance to think and calm down. And you know, there's a chance they may not calm down; they may just get offended because all they're looking for at that point is validation. Right. But then there may be um, a circumstance where someone goes, "Wow, I never thought of it that way." Now that we've had this yeah. conversation, I realize that. It had nothing to do with the circumstance. That's right. the reason why we're fighting is not because he didn't remember that Thursday we we're supposed to go to the movies. Like right. the real thing is that I feel like um, I don't feel special anymore. Right. Or I'm not getting my way. Yep. You know, and stuff like that. So. No, you know, for sure. Ego and then, tripping. Yeah. We all ego. do it. <laughs> we all do it, and then you know, as we're ego tripping, we forget to think that. Uh, on the other side, usually is a person that we care about. Right. Uh, you know, because if we didn't care about them, we wouldn't be so triggered. Right. We wouldn't be trying to prove our level of rightness to them if we didn't value their opinion uh, right. of us. People that we don't care about, we just like, right. okay, whatever, you're tripping right. and walk away. But it's the people that we care about that trigger us. And then when we're triggered, we forget that they have feelings right they have their thoughts they have their whole set of traumas and things they're dealing with and if we never take time to understand what it is that they're going through and feel what they're feeling we're just literally playing like we're at war yeah we're stepping on their heads to feel better and then once we feel better we look at them and they're right unhappy with us and you know at what cost um, did we, how do you say it, to validate our ego, we damn near... Yeah, destroy our the relationships that are most important right. to us, and that's what happens a lot. So, you know, with all that, 
how do we, you know, what do we do with this? Like, how do we undo these situations? Well, a good thing we can do, and we kind of have to do, or have the opportunity to do now in quarantine, is move a little slower, you know, before reacting to things. Think about things. Sit with them. Um, give ourselves time to hear the other voices in our council besides our dream on green. Yeah. You know, um, it's scary for some because Draymond Green and our, our own inner ego doesn't always want to hear other people's opinions. Because what if their opinion actually has some merit, but it's in contrary, in, yeah. contra- in contradiction to the ego? So, you know, you know. I find that the, the, the most useful thing uh, that I have done is like just honestly say, hey, this is how I feel. Right. Right. Or, you know, when you said this, my ego said that. And this is what I'm afraid of. Right. And then when I come like that, you know, just stating facts, this is how I feel, then it's not threatening. Then I'm inviting you to, you know, see what I'm seeing. And then, you know, you usually will start asking questions. But then what? But what what do you think will happen if this happens? Right. And then what? And what are you afraid? What are you really afraid of? And then we have a conversation. Right. Instead of having a um, situation where I'm attacking because I'm scared, and then you have to defend yourself because you're being attacked. Right. So to me, you know, laying down the weapons and having an honest conversation, like, hey, listen. I am acting this way because this situation scares the shit out of me because last time when we did this, I felt this, that, that, and whatever, right. you know? And now we have a normal conversation. Yeah. It's not going to be an easy conversation, but it's a conversation. Right. And, you know, one of the cool things to do, and we try to do it as much as we can now once we thought about it, is to separate our ego's voice from our whole identity. And it's being able to say, my ego feels like this. My ego wants to say this. Because it leaves room to be like, well, what do the other parts of you have to say? Right. And it's not you that wants this outcome. Right. And then when we're not attached to the outcome, we naturally allow for other possibilities. And now all of a sudden, we're more open to hearing what, uh, you know, the person on the other side has to say. Yeah. And that's how we got here with this podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a super interesting um, process, and uh, it's a difficult process. But I feel like once you start, like once I start recognizing it in myself, I can start recognizing it when uh, people that are close to me are going through a situation where they're gripping, right? Where their ego is gripping, right? So, to wrap up this podcast, one of the assignments I like to give you guys who are listening is, question, can you identify when your ego is talking versus your intuition or other parts of your personality? Like, can you, are you aware of it? I know a lot of times I'm not aware of it until after the fact and I'm trying yeah. to get better at, yeah. you know, the gap of time before my ego says something for the rest of me goes, oh, that was my ego. Right. But think about, ask yourself that question, like, you know, are you aware of when your ego is speaking or reacting? 
Usually it's the loudest in the room. Right. The that's, loudest that's the voice. That's the, yeah, the quickest, the, the fastest, the loudest. Right. The one that's quickest to react. Exactly. The first one is usually the ego. Right. If you watch Dave Chappelle, the ego is usually the person on the uh, skit when keeping it real goes wrong. Yes. The first person that reacts. Yeah. That's the, that's the ego. So that's what it is. Episode 46, the Black Russian podcast. Ego tripping. Do you have any closing remarks? Uh, do I have any closing yeah, remarks? Yeah, give them something kind and nice. Wrap it up with a, a sweet sentiment. Uh, Make I, the ego feel good too. The ego's probably like, why are they talking about me so damn much? <laughs> no, I really appreciate my ego once I, once I understand, you know, that, hey, she's here to defend me and she's helped me be who I am. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't trade her in for a, any other version of my ego. Right. Uh, and it's helping me feel a lot more empathetic and soft in my approach to just conversing with, you know, other people, with friends that are going through difficult situations that before I would judge. Right. Uh, and now I'm like, yeah, this shit is hard. Because yeah. it is. It really, it really is. is. Yeah. And you know, like, I'm the same. I agree. Uh, it's good to have the enforcer and the protector on your team. Yeah. You know, like, we all need a Draymond Green or a Joe Pesci or someone who's ready to bust some balls and protect the household if need be. Just you, we don't want to lead with that person all the time. No, or stay with it, like right, in right. control for long periods of right. time because it will physically exhaust you. Yeah, it will burn you out. So, yeah. you know, love the ego, nurture the ego. Um, try to um, converse the ego in a way that lets them know we appreciate you. You are a valuable part of the team. You are not the whole team, but you are a valuable part of the team. And if we move as a team, we can do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Let's do the damn thing. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Who knows about what? Who knows we'll about figure what? it out yeah, we'll as we go. All right. Episode 46, done and dunner.